Today's scripture reading is from Romans 7, verses 21 to 84. If you are willing and able, please stand for the reading of God's word. May I remind you that the word of, the God, of our Lord is truth. This is also found on page 11 in your worship guide. Romans 7, 21, 8 through 4, through 8, 4. So I find it to be a law that when I, I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemned the sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Thus sends the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Pam. We return to our study through the book of Romans today after a, a few weeks off and we finally come to Romans chapter 8. Uh, it's a delight to be here. I don't, know long how, I don't know how long we will be in Romans 8. So you can keep working on memorizing it if you haven't finished yet. You might have several weeks yet to work on that. Well as we begin I'm reminded of uh, Land's End, the company Land's End. Until recently they had an incredible lifetime guarantee. I don't know if any of you uh, took advantage of that, but this is what it used to say. If you're not satisfied with any item, simply return it to us at any time for an exchange or refund of its purchase price. We mean every word of it, whatever, whenever, always. But to make sure this is perfectly clear, we've decided to simplify it further. Guaranteed period. That's it. And that guarantee was so good. Whatever, whenever, always. No questions asked. It was so good that people began to abuse it. I heard a report on this. So some people would go to yard sales looking for lands and material. They would buy it at the yard sale and return it to lands end. $2 coat, come home with $40. Other people 
would plan these great camping trips and they would go and purchase all the best camping gear and then go out on a weekend, a muddy, rainy weekend, and on their way home, return the used camping gear and get their money back. It was such a good guarantee that that happened often. People would take advantage of this wonderful guarantee and it it wouldn't result in its intent, right? Grateful, loyal service. Word of mouth advertising. For some, it resulted in abuse. But for some, it did result in that gratitude and that loyalty. I can remember my dad. He loved his Land's End jacket. And he probably had it for 30 years or more. And when I was aware of this guarantee, I was like, Dad, you know, I think the zipper might have been broken. I was like, Dad, you know, you can return that. You can get your money back. You can get a new one. But he wouldn't do it. He's like, I think I got my money's worth out of this jacket after 30 years of service. He was grateful. He was loyal. Now, our new life in Christ comes with a much better lifetime guarantee. Much better. And it's not that we can return any item if we're not satisfied with it. And it's not that we have a license to live as we please. But it's that God will never return us back to our sin and death. No matter what. He will never let us go. We come to Romans 8 and that well-known verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation ever no matter what. Whatever you do, whenever you do it, you will always be forgiven. This is the world's most wonderful guarantee because every person in the world needs forgiveness. I would ask you today, this morning, what will you do with your guilt and your shame? There's only one thing to do with it, only one way to deal with it that will result in true forgiveness and freedom and peace and joy and life and the power to actually change you. And that one way is to have your sins, your guilt and your shame washed away by the blood of Christ, condemned in his body on the cross instead of in you. It is through salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. It is by being united to Christ. For those who are united to Christ, this wonderful guarantee that we have, it does not lead to abuse. It does not produce in us a license to sin. It does the exact opposite. It leads to gratitude and loyalty, to comfort and assurance and joy and wonder and praise and love and obedience. Beloved, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now this morning I want to simply look at that statement and ask a few questions. Why? Why does Paul say that now? What does it mean? How can it be true? What is the result? And who is this wonderful guarantee for? So those five questions, the first one is where we'll spend, the first two are where we'll spend most of our time. So first of all, why does Paul say that now? Why does he say it here? And I was taught in Bible college, whenever you see that word, therefore, to make sure you look to see what it is there for. 
to give you the context of the passage. So that's what we'll do. We'll check the context, and we can check both the immediate context, but also the broad. If we start with the broad context, we could think of the entire letter of Romans up to this point. And you remember, it begins with our guilt. Paul wants us to know that we have all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of our sin is death. How can we be forgiven from that? How can we be saved from that death that we have earned? So he moves from that opening guilt section into this wonderful section on the grace of God. We are saved, we are forgiven, not by what we do, but by what Jesus has done. And Paul proclaims salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And we see that in Romans chapter 5, the passage we read for our piece this morning. Therefore, again, there's that word. What's it therefore? Therefore, having been justified by faith. And we studied what that meant to be justified. It meant to have all of our sins pardoned, forgiven by Christ at the cross, and also to have all of his righteousness credited to our account. So that we are indeed counted righteous in God's sight. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Now we come to Romans 8, 1, and we see, we see an echo of that statement from chapter 5. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is the broad context of the entire book because the gospel is true. Those who are in Christ Jesus now no longer fear any condemnation ever. Whatever you do, whenever you do it, you will always be forgiven. Your sins can no longer condemn you and they can never separate you from God. That's the broad context. But let's look immediate context or narrow. So Romans 8.1 comes right after Romans 7. That's why we read a portion of that to begin this, this morning. At the end of Romans chapter 7, we are told, we're reminded this morning, that believers are in a lifelong battle with sin. That we often do things that we hate. And that this battle, this fight, will last in our lives until Jesus returns or until he calls us home. And the temptation in that battle is to doubt your salvation. It is to doubt the work of Christ. It's to be discouraged. That fight, that lifelong battle it can, with sin in our lives, it can be so discouraging. It, it can be debilitating to the point where you feel or you believe that you are defeated, that you are condemned. And that daily struggle over and over and over again with perhaps a besetting sin in your life, you might ask, am I really a Christian? How can I do this over and over again? Does God really love me? Could he possibly forgive me? I might as well just give in to sin and give up and not even try. And so it's in that immediate context that Paul wants to encourage you, beloved, because Jesus is your deliverer. God, the holy judge, has already pronounced the verdict in Christ. You are not guilty. There is no condemnation. And that is true. And it is cause for much rejoicing and celebration in our lives. Yes, we can honestly admit we deserve death, but Jesus has died in our place. So now we are free forever from the guilt and power of sin 
and death. Amen? So just because you hear us say that every Sunday, don't let it become dull or ordinary. Don't miss the miracle in that statement, the good news in that statement. So that's why Paul says it here, the context. But what does it mean? What does this mean, no condemnation? On the negative side, we say it means that you are not guilty, that you will never be punished for your sin, that no sin can ever be charged to your account. On the positive side, we could say that you are innocent, you are free, you are righteous, you have the perfect righteousness of Christ credited to your account. One pastor summarized it this way, you have been freed from a lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. You've been freed from that. That is gone forever. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now that phrase is much stronger than simply saying you are not condemned. That in itself would be good news. We're glad to hear that. But it means much more than just that simple statement. It means there is no condemnation at all. It means there's not even the possibility of condemnation. It is not only that you are now united by faith to Jesus Christ. You are now not condemned. It's more than that. It means that you can never and will never be condemned. There's no chance it's impossible. So, beloved, no matter what happens from here on out, the rest of your lives, once you are in Christ, you are always in Christ. And when you are united to Christ, just as you cannot be saved by what you do, there's nothing that you ever could do that could save you, that could justify you in God's sight. So also, you cannot be condemned by what you do. There's nothing now as a child of God that you could ever do that would lead God to condemn you. Beloved, this is good news for us. This is the lesson that Peter himself learned, that every child of God learns. Remember what Peter said to Jesus? Even if everyone else denies you, I will not. Full of confidence and boldness. I will never do that. But what did Jesus say to him? Before this night is over, Peter, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And that's exactly what Peter did. And he was crushed. The Gospels tell us that Peter went out and he wept bitterly. The guilt and shame of his sin overwhelmed him with grief. Peter was crushed, but he was not condemned. Jesus had compassion on him. Jesus, our creator, the very hands that formed and fashioned you in your mother's womb, he knows our frame. He knows that we are dust. He knows our weaknesses. And Jesus had prayed for Peter. You see what happened in Peter's life? That was a direct attack on Peter by Satan. But Jesus had prayed for Peter that his faith would not fail, and it did not. Because Jesus did not fail Peter. He loved him. 
He forgave him. He strengthened him. He restored him and he sent him out on mission. So that Peter's life was not defined by his failure, by the rooster, but what? By the cross, by the triumph of Jesus Christ and by the empty tomb. And so, beloved, just as there was no condemnation for Peter, though he cursed and denied even knowing Jesus, so there is no condemnation for you today if you are in Christ Jesus. This means you cannot sin your way out. No matter what you do, you might think, is that a dangerous thing for a pastor to say? Well, that's what Paul's been saying. Route Romans. You know, saying that, is that going to lead you to abuse that freedom and that assurance, like the lands and yard sailors and campers? And we would say, God forbid. That's what Paul has continued to say. No way, by no means. Paul says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That means that condemnation for the child of God is impossible. It's not even in the realm of possibility. It's not even an option. So no matter how bad or how often or how repeated is your sin, you can never and will never be condemned. Amen? Beloved, there is no condemnation in your sin. You'll continue to sin. We will continue to sin every day until Christ returns. But that sin cannot and will not condemn us. And that truth will shape our response, our attitude toward our sin. How? Well, in this way. You don't fear it, but you also don't flaunt it. Yes, fight against it, but don't be focused on it. So you don't have to fear your sin. Beloved, your sin has no power in your life to condemn you. Because... It will not bring death as its wages anymore. Jesus has already paid that debt. So don't fear your sin. You don't flaunt it. You don't revel in it. You don't embrace it. You don't pursue it. You don't tolerate it. Why? Because now you hate it. You see it for what it is. Why would you enslave enslave yourself to something that Jesus gave his life to free you from? So you want no part of that. Why give yourself to something that you know is a lie? It's your desire now to turn from sin and to honor Christ. So you don't flaunt it. Yes, yes, fight against it. Put it to death. But don't be focused on it. You see, beloved, in Christ, sin is not the focus of your life anymore. Jesus is. Jesus is now your focus. The only sin that you can defeat in your life is a forgiven sin. It's a forgiven sin. It's already been dealt with. So now, you know that the only way you can be forgiven is through what Christ has done and this good news of no condemnation frees you from being fixated on your sin, on your sin. and instead, what does it do? It captivates your heart with the goodness and the glory and the love of Jesus. No condemnation. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Fix your eyes on your Savior. You see, this good news of no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, it not only shapes your view of sin, but also your view of the future. 
Beloved, there is no condemnation in your unknown future. There are a lot of unknowns about our future. Some of you might be thinking, will I ever get married? Or who will I marry? Some of you may be thinking, will I have children? Or you might be thinking, what will my children be like? What will they grow up to do? Where will I live? What house will we have? What kind of job will I get? What will my health be like in the coming years? There are a lot of unknowns about your future. Condemnation is not one of those unknowns. That matter has already been settled once and for all. So in that way, beloved, you do not need to fear your future. You can trust it to the good and wise and loving and sovereign hands of your loving Heavenly Father. You can look to your future with peace, a security, a peace and a security that can never be taken away. Whatever else may happen in your life, condemnation most certainly will not be a part of it, nor will separation from God or his love. See, Romans 8 starts with no condemnation and it ends with no separation. And there, and is filled in the middle with wonderful truth that we will look at, Lord willing. Beloved, you will not come into condemnation, but you will come into eternal glory with Christ. Believer in Jesus Christ, you will not suffer in hell. You will rejoice in heaven. You will experience the fullness of joy in the presence of God. That's your future. And that's not something to fear. That's something to look forward to. Well, there's also no condemnation in your suffering. No condemnation. Well, you might think, well, wait a minute. What what about, what if I have physical pain? And what if it doesn't get better, it just gets worse? And what if it ends in death? Or what about a depression or an anxiety that does not go away? Or the death of a loved one, sorrow upon sorrow? What about broken relationships, estrangement from family members, even when you have done everything that you can to live peaceably with them. Is that a sign of God's condemnation? Could that be God punishing me? And for those who are in Christ, the answer is always no. Absolutely not. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, including in your suffering. Beloved, you have a real enemy, an adversary, a roaring lion who is seeking to devour you. And one of the ways that he devours is through lies. He is the father of lies. And when you suffer, one of his favorite lies is this. God is punishing you. You are condemned. This is, you're getting what you deserve. Do not believe his lies. Trust your Savior who loves you. Trust his word which is true forever. Whatever God may be doing in and through your suffering, it is not punishment. It cannot be. It is not from the judgment or condemnation or wrath or anger of God. It's not because that's what you deserve It cannot be payment or condemnation for your sins, your mistakes, your shortcomings, your failures. You might say, how do you know that's true? How can you say that? I know that's true because of the truth of God's word. 
because of the sufficiency of Christ's work on the cross, his completed work, right? When Christ was on the cross, he cried out, it is finished. I know that is true because Jesus has already paid the penalty. He has already suffered the punishment, the condemnation for those sins. And if God is going to punish Jesus and you for your sin, we have no hope. We stop right here, we go home, we give it all up. But that's not the case. Our God is a just and a forgiving God. And so, beloved, suffering is not, absolutely not, punishment for your sins. Sometimes it may be the Lord's loving discipline. It may be the Lord's loving discipline aimed at saving you from condemnation. One place we see this is in 1 Corinthians 11. If you, have, if you have a Bible, you're welcome to turn there. 1 Corinthians 11, the end of that chapter, verses 28 through 32. And this is Paul's warning. It's his warning to the church because the church was abusing the Lord's Supper. It's a good warning for us to heed as we come and we enjoy partaking of the Lord's Supper every week. And Paul was warning them because they were treating it lightly. They were not examining themselves to make sure they were trusting Christ in their enjoyment of the sacrament. And so this passage is one of the reasons why we fence the table. Some of you have heard that phrase before. So when we go to present the Lord's Supper, we will explain who it's for. And we will sometimes say, you know, this is for believers who have repented of their sin. They're not living in unrepentant sin. They're honest before the Lord about their sin. It's a family meal. And so if you're not a Christian... You should not partake of it. And, and this passage is one of the reasons why we say those things. So look, if you have it open, or I'll read it for you. 1 Corinthians 11, 28 through 32. Paul says, let a person examine himself then. And so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So hear that last verse again carefully. When we are judged by the Lord with perhaps with weakness or sickness or perhaps even death, we are disciplined by the Lord so that we may not be condemned along with the world. Now, let's be clear about this. Paul is not saying, and I am not saying, this, this does not mean that every time you suffer sickness or death, you are being disciplined for sin. That is not what Paul is saying. There are many times when you can suffer simply as a result of being in a sinful fallen world or perhaps someone sinning against you. So that's not what Paul is saying. He's saying it could be. What Paul is saying is, if it is, if the sickness or suffering in your life is a result of sin, even when it is, it's actually good news for you. For one, it comes from the hand of your loving God, but it's good news because it is God's love and mercy to save you from being condemned. So this is why it's one of the reasons why, as a child of God, if you are ever caught 
in a lie. If you're ever caught in sin, that may be painful, it may be shameful, but truly it is the Lord's mercy. It's the Lord's mercy when your sin comes to the light. Why? Because this is one of the ways that God delivers you from your sin. Sin thrives in darkness. And so once it's brought to the light, that's when it can be put to death. This is God saying to you, I am intervening in your life in mercy to help you turn from sin which would destroy you if I just left you to it. Beloved, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And God will never let there be condemnation for his children in the future. So there is no condemnation in your suffering, even if your suffering is the discipline of the Lord. One more, one more application about this no condemnation here. There is also no condemnation in the failures of parenting. You know, we have been greatly blessed here at Proclamation with many children. And so we have many parents in our church family. Some of you, you're raising children right now. Some of you, you've done the work of raising children. You have young adults who've moved out of the home. Some of you are blessed with grandchildren, maybe even great-grandchildren. But I will ask, what will you do with the guilt and the shame that comes from the failures and the weaknesses and the sins that you may have as a parent. And I ask that as a parent with many failures and weaknesses and sins. Every parent has them. So what will you do with that guilt and that shame? Whether you still have kids in the home and they're young and they're growing and you're painfully away of all the all, you're painfully aware of all the ways that you fall short of even your own standards of what a good parent would be like or whether your children have moved out of the home and maybe they're not living according to the exact same values you may have perhaps maybe they're not even following Jesus what will you do if you are human and you are you will find ample reason to blame yourself. And it won't be just the natural tendency of your human heart. You have an adversary who hates you and he will want you to blame yourself to look and find guilt within. You will think that you have failed your children, that you failed as a Christian, that you, un- you can't undo the damage you've done. But what if you take Romans 8, 1 to heart in your parenting? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Beloved, you are forgiven and you are fully loved by God. He is with you and he is for you and he has given his son for you and he has given his own spirit to empower you. And so with that freedom and with that assurance and that peace, and that help, you can be honest about your weaknesses. You can be honest about your sins, and you can humble yourself first and foremost before the Holy God, but also before your children. And you can trust and wait on God to work graciously in their lives. And you can know that there is no wound that God cannot heal. And there is no sin 
that God cannot forgive. And one of the best things that you can do as a parent is model before your children a lifestyle of repentance and faith in Christ. So that when you sin, when you're confronted with your weakness or your failure, you confess that to God and to your child and you ask for their forgiveness. You use it as a gospel opportunity. And as they see your need for Jesus, God may help them see their own need and capture their hearts with the beauty and the glory and the love of the Savior. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation in any way, shape, or form. So what does this mean? This means that all of God's condemning wrath and all of his omnipotent opposition to us in our sins is gone forever. That's what we once faced in Adam, but that has completely been taken away and it has been replaced by something completely different. The infinite love and favor and omnipotent help of our gracious God. And beloved, it's not mixed This is not a scale that God has to balance in our lives. Oh, some days I'll put my wrath on them just so they know I'm a holy God. Those days will be be bad days. Other days I will shower them with my love and those will be good days. That's not it. That's not how it works. It's not the way God is. It's not what Jesus came to live and die and rise again to bring to you God's people. He drank the cup of God's wrath empty. There's not a drop left for you. And now he pours out his love and favor on you. Jesus came to bring no condemnation. Amen? Amen. Now, how can this be true? How can this be true? Well, it could never be true apart from the gracious work of our triune God. It's impossible apart from the work of God. If not for God's intervention in your life, you would still be under the brutal tyranny of sin and death. Look at verse 2. Paul says, For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. The Spirit of life is God's life-giving Holy Spirit. He is the one who has set you free from the law of sin and death. Those who have faith in Christ, those who are united to Christ, We are no longer bound to sin. We're no longer enslaved. The chains are gone. We have been set free. Paul explains this further in verse 3. That this is not something you could do. It's not something that even God's good law could do. Only God himself could do this. Verse 3. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. So Paul says God has done what the law could not do. Here's what the law could not do. The law could not justify you, can't save you, and it also can't sanctify you. It can't change you. It can't remove your condemnation or bring about your transformation. And yet both of those things are absolutely necessary in your life if you are to be saved in the last day and have eternal life. Those things are humanly impossible, and the law can't make them happen. You cannot atone for your sins, and you cannot make yourself righteous. You must be righteous. Your sins must be forgiven. That's essential, absolutely necessary if you are to be reconciled to the Holy God, if you are to be at peace with God, if you are to be a friend with God. 
Your sin must be atoned for and your life must be righteous. But this is the work of God alone. How? How does God do this? Verse 3 continues, by, here Paul tells us how. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. Beloved, God sent his own son, Jesus. No one could be more precious to God than Jesus. His own son. He sent Jesus in in his likeness, in the holiness of God, holy and sinless. Jesus came in the likeness of sinful flesh. That means he came with a human body and a human nature. A human nature, but not a sinful nature. Jesus was made like us, yet without sin. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, God in the flesh. And so God did what we could not do by coming himself to save us. He sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, or as an offering for sin. And so Paul here, he is referring to the incarnation of the Son of God, God coming into the world that he had made, and he's also referring to the substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus. Jesus dying on the cross, paying the penalty for our sin. And in that sacrifice, in that offering for sin, God condemned your sin in the flesh of Jesus. By his one sacrifice, once for all time, he has made perfect for all time, those who are being made holy. What does that mean, he's made perfect for all time? It means there's no condemnation. This is what God has done. And the reason there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, it's not because your sin doesn't deserve condemnation. It does. It's because Jesus has borne that condemnation. It has already been poured out. And Jesus has also been the one who has provided for your righteousness in his perfect life of obedience. So beloved, the reason this wonderful guarantee is true has nothing to do with you. has everything to do with God. It is the work of God's Son and God's Spirit. God's Son frees you from the guilt of your sin. He takes it on himself. God's spirit frees you from the power of sin over you. He gives you life. This is how this wonderful guarantee is true forever because the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are united in love and purpose to bring every one of their precious adopted children home with them where they belong. God will not lose one of his children. It's impossible. Now what is the result? Not only no condemnation, but look at verse 4. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now chapter 8 will have a lot to say about the work of the Spirit. And Lord willing, we'll come back to that in the following weeks and we'll see this. But for those who are in Christ Jesus, the Holy Spirit is now the directing power in your life. The flesh no longer controls your life. God's Holy Spirit does. So, beloved, it is this Holy Spirit that enables you now to walk in life and not in death, to walk in holiness, to walk in the good works that God has prepared in advance for you. 
So when you are faced with temptation, you do not have to sin. You are not defeated. You are victorious in Christ. Temptation really has no power over you. You have everything within you that you need to obey. Not in your human strength, but in the strength of the Holy Spirit who's been given to you. So you don't have to give in to anger, to selfishness, to lust, to coveting, to complaining or fear or despair. God's life-giving spirit has delivered you from the power of sin. And so now we walk by the spirit. We live this life of gratitude and loyalty and obedience to the God who has saved us from our condemnation. Finally, who is this true of? Who is this this ultimate, this wonderful guarantee for? It's not for everyone. It's a select group of people. It is only true for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And not everyone is in Christ Jesus. We have seen that in our study of Romans. Either you are in Christ or you are in Adam. Either you are united to Christ or you are separated from Christ. So this wonderful guarantee, this promise is not true for everyone, but only for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. Yes, it is offered to everyone without exception. That's why we say all are welcome. But it is given only to those who come, to those who admit that they are needy and humbly come to Jesus to meet their need. Paul is not a universalist, and neither is Jesus. Neither Paul nor Jesus teaches that everyone will be saved in the end. Paul and Jesus both teach that all sin will be condemned in the last day at the final judgment. And that sin, your sin, will either be condemned in the death of Jesus or it will be condemned in your eternal death. Either Jesus graciously and gloriously can bear it for you in his body on the cross or you will bear it in your own body in eternal torment in hell separated from Jesus forever. Beloved, every one, every person needs forgiveness. The kindness of the Savior. What will you, what will you do with your guilt and your shame today? Paul makes this wonderful promise, this ultimate guarantee. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So I pray that we all would come to Jesus today, that we would rest in him, that we would trust in him, that we would rejoice in his great salvation and truly be free forever from all the guilt and all the power of sin and death. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. Amen.